Eddie. Good morning. How are you doing today? Doing very well, thank you. Really? Very well. I had a like a sinusy headache and cough and a deep like bronchial cough. I think that just means that it was of the lungs. Of but the I lungs. Hacking up a lot of stuff and and uh, just sapped my energy. And then uh, you know, around noon yesterday, I realized that it was over. It's fine. I had a normal cough. Like it was a cough that just sounded like <coughs> instead of like a bassoon. Uh, repair service. <laughs> so that's how I'm doing. That's my health update. Thank you for that. Thank you uh, that. For how's that. your health, John? Um, I've been pretty lucky uh, with health, and I expected that I'd be sick. Um, hold on. Uh, I ex- I expected I'd be sick because I've been doing a lot of traveling. I've been on a lot of um, airplanes, and uh, that usually results in a cold. Um, and my family has been sick, uh, but I seem to have escaped the worst of it. So I feel like I've I've dodged a bullet. You look good. Although <laughs> the last time I, I saw you on a screen uh, last night when I was watching the Paris Reviews interview with you yeah. about your first book, yeah. in which you had a nice, rich, recently uh, uh, trimmed beard, yeah. rich, full beard, mm-hmm. and a little jacket over a smart little flannel. Lil, Lil Jacket. You looked, you looked so composed, and now we're both sitting in our relaxed spaces, wearing V-neck uh, gray T-shirts. You know, I'm wearing gray sweatpants too. I'm completely gray today. Nice, yeah. nice. Like to go. Are with you the... going to s- steal something from the place? Are you? No, no, no. Can you s- sneak around from the uh, from the clouds, from the cloud castle. <laughs> I'm raiding the cloud castle. In nice my title. gray sweatpants. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah uh, that interview, I, you know, I had vowed years ago, um, after I had that experience with, um, what's the name of the, the ebook publisher who who uh, gathered up my... The Zanuck or back, every backlist. Oh, there's, yeah, Zank, but the... But the they the ebook versions they turned over to this uh company called I can't remember what they're called. And they actually they did a good job with the books themselves. They um they look good, you can buy them online and so on. But they hired this um they hired this film crew to come to a promotional video. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. And it was very unpleasant. And uh by the end I felt utterly humiliated and uh the video made made me look like a fool i thought and i i vowed never to do anything on um on uh film again and yet the next time someone asked well no actually that all happened after this paris review thing happened so um in fact the, i had already done the paris review thing and a- after the, after i did this um this uh, open road media they're the company that put it out after right, the right. their film crew filmed me i regretted doing the paris review thing and then i didn't hear from the paris review guys i because it was a new project they were doing and i figured it had just fizzled out because it had been a couple of years but lo and behold not only had it not fizzled out they were busy making a whole bunch of them and they were going to release them um sequentially over a short time and so they started this week with me um and it, i turned out to be the first one they did so um it just that I think that explains the long gap in time. And they sent me the link, and it took me like three days to click on it. I just didn't. Oh, it looks see it's it. fine. It's great. No, I I, I think it's, it's really great. Good. Yeah, it's really good. I I think I came off really well, um, except for my uh, except for my collar. There's some, 
<laughs> and there's some still there's some still photography that, that I had not seen. What there's do you a, mean? A young John Lennon, uh, maybe a hot tub. Yeah, or it's, a, a, it's uh, a Jerry Johnson hot springs in Idaho. Oh, is that Jerry Johnson? Yeah, they asked to see photos of me when I, from when, around the time when I wrote the book. Yeah. Um, and I gave them a bunch uh, that I had, and that, that was the one they choose to include me uh, with no shirt on in a in a hot spring holding my. What I remember from from that book, uh, aside from from having you know, getting to read a, a draft of it and remembering when you were writing it, was that correct me if I'm wrong. You you found out that it had been taken, or maybe that you'd got an age, but I think that it had been sold. Um, as you were on your way to your honeymoon in Italy, yeah, I I, I found out the, the day we were going to leave. Yeah, yeah. So I got to um, I got to put my feet up on a balcony in Sicily while uh, contemplating my uh, my impending career as a best selling novelist. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Have you been back to Italy since the honeymoon? No, I haven't. I've only. I've only left the country since then to go to Britain. Really, no, no continental. Uh, no, I don't know what my popovers. I don't know what's my popovers. Popovers. Oh, all right. <laughs> I've had some continental popovers. <laughs> if if my continental breakfast came with popovers, I'd be pretty delighted, actually. Um, yeah, I I I don't know what my anxiety is about um, going to non English speaking countries. It's pathetic, really. Uh, my friend Adam and his wife Elizabeth from the band just got back from uh, Spain, and uh, yeah. I saw Adam last night, and he he said, "I would like to say it's great to be back, but it's not." Uh, I, that they loved Spain, and it is it's better than Ithaca. <laughs> how how audacious to say so! I know, I've, right? I've never I've I've been to England. I was in England twenty five years ago for two weeks. I've been to Toronto and Vancouver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One driving tour, a few trips to Mexico, but I've never, I've never been more adventurous th- than that either. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I. Are we I, missing something? I think we're missing something. Friends of ours tra- are world travelers. Well, what happened the first week? We were, the first half of the week we were in Italy. It was just constant anxiety about how to get to places and how to communicate with people and. Um, I I didn't enjoy it so much, and then halfway through, there was a turning point. This is on on the old honeymoon. There's a turning point. It was Rian's birthday. She really wanted to see the Capuchin catacombs uh, yeah. in Palermo. We rented a car and we drove to Palermo, um, which was an adventure in and of itself. Um, sort of learn, learning the, you know, maybe now that I'm older, this kind of thing would be fun. But kind of learning the lo- the rules of the road in a new country and um, and so on. Uh, and we made it, and um, we knew the catacombs were going to close soon. And Palermo is a very confusing city to drive around in. Very, the drivers are as aggressive as the ones in New York City, but unlike New York. In New York, the streets are all just alleys that people are racing down at sixty miles an hour, and and they don't mind dying. <laughs> no, no, they're uh, they're they're devil may care people, the Sicilians. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 the sort of crisis moment for me was we were about to cry. We had come all this way, and we couldn't find. We were driving around for hours. We could not find the catacombs, and um, in. 
and I couldn't, and my Italian was terrible, so I didn't, I thought that, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't have the usual man disease of not being willing to ask for directions. I'm very ready to ask for directions and pretty much will do that right away. And this, of course, was the pre-cell phone era, so, I, you know, there was, and we couldn't navigate that way. I finally just went into a frame shop. And uh, it was a very good-looking young man working the counter, and I, I just was asking where the catacombs were in as good Italian as I can muster. And he immediately grasped the situation, knew that he would have to be very careful and meticulous in explaining it to me. He was going to have to frame it yeah. just right. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a, a Stephen Dixon story called Frame Story. Yeah. It takes place in a frame shop and the frame shop serves as a frame story for the story. Nice. Yeah, it's that's very goofy. But it's a good story. Um <laughs> It's goofy. Yeah, uh yeah, so I I always wanted to write a story called Backstory about a guy who, who's like a who's back la- laid up with a back a back injury. But that turns out to be um a Philip Roth novel. So does, don't don't need to do that, and he didn't feel the need to give it a a, a pun. Should have called it backstory. Yeah, he should have. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy didn't speak English, but he knew what I wanted. He explained to me how to get there, and somehow I managed to commit to memory the series of left and right turns that would lead to the catacombs, and we made it. And there was a parking space, and we went in, and we saw it, and it was great. I got a postcard. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. bought a bunch of postcards from it. Yeah. Um, it's and gruesome. Then it's grotesque. It's completely gruesome and grotesque. Yeah. I should uh, link to it here on the internet for the for the people. But um, uh, after that, we had a great time, and I think it was because we had uh, we'd overcome our anxiety and managed to do something successfully. And after that, the little trials of being abroad were no big deal. And this is probably very familiar to anyone who's listening who goes abroad regularly. That it is no big deal and it's fun um, if you can freaking chill for a second. But I was not capable of that at twenty six. You were you were more anxious as a young man. I was not that I'm not anxious now, but I think I've made a great deal by of comparison. Progress. You're not. Yeah. By, what do you, by what comparison, do you, think? you are not at all. What yeah. what would you it's, think? It's remarkable, actually. Really? Uh, I know you you're still anxious, maybe, but but uh, you were you were pretty. Um, Buttoned up and nervous. I was wound very tightly in my. You were 20s, wound very yeah. tightly for most. Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. Do you remember moments that I was, was actually uh, fun to be around? <laughs> All the time. All the oh, time. Really? Fun to be around. All the time. Fun to be around. <laughs> but wound a little tight. Mm-hmm. Wound mm-hmm. a little tight. Yeah. Well, I, I've continued to. Um, I think I probably talked about this on a previous episode, but I've continued to scan photos from the past. Yeah. And so I've been thinking a lot about the. You know the the one's one's path through life, the changes one undergoes over time. I don't have I don't have, I've drawn no conclusions. However, what about uh, uh, John and twenty more years? I'll beat the hell out John of at man. sixty. I you know I just imagine I feel like I feel like uh, at at forty be all nose hairs and yeah and <laughs> walking shuffling around in slippers. You know that's one of my that's one of my most despised uh, literary literary constructions. All something and something. She was all elbows and knees. The lanky mm-hmm. teen. <laughs> ah! 
You can say it out loud. That's fine. But don't put it in a short story. I beg you. It was all slippers and pop tarts. <laughs> I I can only the crazy thing is um, even with the um, even with the information I have from hindsight and from memory and from photographs, I can see how I've changed. And I can hear from you how much more relaxed I am. I can't imagine myself changing in the next twenty years. So I assume that I'll be just like I am now, except with the with extra nose hair and ear hair. Yeah. Probably in this very I went, house. I went to a, a I went to a barber, a nice nice barber, and yep. uh, she uh, had some little device, and she like uh, without even prompting, just like it was just a normal thing, uh, just got rid of my little ear hairs and nose hairs. Yeah, that I. Without I wait, without prompting, yeah, it wasn't like a, like it wasn't it wasn't like a whoa, <laughs> hey there, or would you like me to? It was just this is just well, what part of getting a haircut now? I guess okay, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think I'd like to be asked, but I I, I do like I the idea. Surprised. What did yeah. she use? Did she have a special device for it? It looked like a woodworker's tool. <laughs> I think it worked electrically. Okay. Yeah, it might have word, and it all happened really quickly. She had just opened up the shop. I heard, I got the whole story. Yeah. It looked really folksy in there. <laughs> um, like it had been there for a long time, but she said she had just moved in a few weeks earlier. She had broken from her previous salon and just wanted to cut men's hair. Oh, she was really? tired. Tired of the demands of the women of Vancouver, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> and just her son was is about to go off to college, got into UW, which is hard to get into. She was just going to uh, figure that she was time for her to relax and just cut men's hair and <laughs> trim their nose hairs and ear hairs. So was it a success? Did she find that in fact an, an all male? Um... An all male clientele was less uh, demanding than a, than a mixed mixed gender one. Too early to tell, perhaps. Too early to tell. Because I, I still I, an establishment phase where people were still kind of coming in and asking, like where the people were who used to work in that building. That wasn't clear to me what had been in that building. Maybe a hydroponic store, yeah. but not a barber. But something that was similar enough that people still came in. Wondering if maybe it had just had a, a changeover. Yeah, I'm, I I question the notion that. Um, well, I guess it's not necessarily the conclusion being drawn. I was going to say that men are less vain than women because I don't think we are, but maybe our our vanity does not concentrate itself in the hair. Maybe because we we lose it, so many of us lose it. Uh, we we sacrifice yeah. it preemptively as a venue, as a vehicle for our vanity. Yeah, I think so. I think our vanity is not in our hair. We, when we're young enough to have good hair, we don't know the difference, and a good hair just looks good. And then after it starts to either go away or or go gray, there's nothing really you can do. You know. Yeah, it's true. Well, speaking of things you can do, okay. See, I'm now I'm so I'm so self conscious about repeating myself. I think that Alice Bolin has. 
um, has pleased. ruined our podcast. She's she has. It is now a whole new layer of self consciousness over it. It's it's really destroyed our. She at the same time as that she inspires it. <laughs> it's a complicated relationship, complicated <laughs> relationship with our with our co co editor and co podcaster. Anyway, um, I don't remember if I mentioned the wall peanut, palm size hair clipper. No, no. But this I is think a, I think you're in safe territory. The wall peanut. Um, I discovered it's a. Uh, one of the things I like about this device is it doesn't even bother to try to be rechargeable. All the hair cl- clippers that I've gone through, and I've tried a lot ever since I started cutting my hair. They're rechargeable, and so they, they can be used cordlessly. But um, the batteries in them suck. So I never, you know, they wear out very quickly, and they're never charged when I want them to. And when they're on the last 50% of the battery, they run more slow. The device runs more slowly than when it's freshly charged, and you almost never have a fresh charge. So because I would have to leave the thing plugged in in my bathroom and then it just falls on the floor. It's ridiculous. So I just plug it in and I always use these things plugged in. The wall peanut um, is intended to be used plugged in and uh, it does not have a battery. So it's smaller. It fits right in the palm of your hand um, and it it is shaped like a peanut, like a giant peanut. And it even has the little little depressions on it that indicate peanutness. Um, and it's incredibly fast. It never binds up. Uh, it's nice and sharp. Um, comes with attachments, f- uh, different attachments for different lengths. And I have been using it to cut my hair for um, about a month now. And it's the Looks it's good. the best. It's the best one. Mm-hmm. So if you're a man, if you're a balding man who uh, who cuts his hair super short, uh, this is what I recommend to you: the wall peanut. I'll put a link in the notes. Very good. And it's portable. Yeah. Bring it with you wherever you like. Yeah, like you bring it on the road, like most small objects. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't bring it on the road, like stones and mice. <laughs> every, every almost everything's portable. All right, I'm clicking a link yeah. you sent me. That's true. Uh, I sent you a link to. Uh, I was trying to think about food related things to talk about since we yeah, were sure. supposed to, and uh, I'm in a, a wasteland. As far as, as as food goes, as far as yeah. I can tell, up here in you know, for my my f- remaining five months in northern Vancouver, Washington, Battle Prairie, or whatever it's called, found nothing uh, nothing charming about the local cuisine. Really, I went to a Hawaiian place; it was terrible. Oh, gone to just some like uh, some little diner places that should be charming, and they're terrible and they're expensive, and the clientele scares me. In what and, way? Um, uh, they often look like aging hoodlums, like people on the run, people without anything to lose. You know, or actually, people with a thousand dollars to lose, <laughs> <laughs> and they're carrying it on them, or they have it in their car. <laughs> um, All right, and uh, there's just a lot of weird-looking white people up here. Satin jackets. Uh, yeah, this is. I mean, but uh, but uh, we are very near to to Portland, and this is uh, the best food that I've found in Portland. Um, oh, okay. Well, that's something. Just it's something, but it's you know, it's a little bit of a haul to get there. Yeah, none Nongs. of the none of the videos want to 
play on my computer for some reason. I don't think videos are that important. Yeah, I'm not going to look at those. Nongs. Nongs. I was looking at it. I didn't realize they had all these different locations. Um, but uh, downtown Portland, 10th and Alder, a little cart. So what's and all the- they do is, is have chicken and rice. This Korean chicken and rice. Uh, cow mungai. Looks delicious. It is incredible. I don't know why. <laughs> why shouldn't it's it be? Chick- it's chicken and rice and some sauce. Yeah. That's, you know, that's enough. I would eat it. I would eat it every day. I would have it three times a day. How far is it to Portland? How long does it take you to get there? 15 minutes. Oh, all right. By train? 12 minutes? No train. No. There's no public transportation on this side of the river. Oh. It's, it, the, the, the difference between Portland and Vancouver is as stark as, as between, uh, like you go from Victoria, B.C., like the, the most British of Canadian cities, the jewel of Canada. All right. And you take the ferry down to Port Angeles, a depressed uh, uh, post-apocalyptic, um, you know, murder town. <laughs> yeah. The most, the most American of American small towns. Um, and it's, it's a similar. Portland, well, they look the same. Portland is a, is a lovely place filled with civilized, interesting, unhinged people. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, and everyone is 27 in Portland. Even the old people are 27. <laughs> um, so <laughs> are you starting to scope out because I was thinking of thinking of you the other day, um, and about how you had developed um, a relationship to literary Seattle. That's mm. that's kind of envious, I think. Uh, and I, I'm sure you will still be a part of that. But um, uh, now you've moved to another state. Uh, are you going to try to insinuate yourself into the the Portland literary scene? You already have people in it. I, 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 have, I, I already already have 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 friends here. Um, Do you think that feel like Portland and Seattle sort of comprise um, a, a literary scene that's shared? I, th- I do think so, um, and I, I'm, I'm comfortable with where I'm at in relationship to Portland. Like I, I like the people I know. Um, this is a, a couple of great bookstores. Mm-hmm. Um, got some, you know, longtime friends down here and some acquaintances. And I think those acquaintances will probably remain acquaintances. Those friends will remain friends. And I don't know if I'll meet anyone new. <laughs> I, think, I don't <laughs> know if I want to. You know? I, well, and uh, I, I think a lot of my – I think the, this one thing that made it easy to leave Seattle, that was difficult to leave Seattle, um, is that the immense and rapid changes in Seattle have, have meant sort of the end of that little literary culture that, that flourished during the recession. Yeah. Uh, this little small press bloom, um, uh, and, and a lot of people doing interesting things are can't afford to, and are moving on. And a lot of them are moving to Portland. I've already been to one housewarming party in Portland uh, <laughs> of somebody else who left Seattle at the same time. Somebody else who you wouldn't think would have left. You know, yeah. A lot of a lot of people are, are leaving, or if you're staying, you're you're 
if you're staying in Seattle, it's hard to keep doing what you were doing during the recession. You sort of have to, you know, have to get a job. Um, I mean, now it's, you know, it's $1,500, $2,000 a month for a, a modest apartment, um, $600,000 for a house. Portland can't be far behind, though, right? It's it's stubbornly remaining in recession mode. All right. I mean, it's booming a little bit, but it's uh, the, the accelerant... Of, of Amazon hiring a thousand people a month at, at big salaries and uh, giving them housing stipends is uh, we know there's nothing quite there's nothing like it. I mean, there's some prosperous big businesses in Portland, but most of them are out outside of the downtown core. So I think a lot of the new people are are living out in Hillsborough or Gresham. So I I'm increasingly wondering how. Is it increasingly difficult for artists of any stripe to live in in, in major cities now? Yeah, in America. I mean, I, I, uh, I was, you know, I was out last night with a couple of depo- you know uh, former grad students who are about to leave town, um, uh, including my friend uh, Emma Perry, who I uh, mm-hmm. is going to be contacting you because she's moving to New Orleans. Um, right. And I think you know these are smart, capable charming people who will do well in the world so i'm it's not like i'm worried about them but um but they're 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 definitely facing a a bleaker um picture than than we were coming out of graduate school i was talking about you know i was talking about reins in my experience when we got out of school we had sort of shitty jobs in missoula for a while lived in our apartment for a couple years had a kid and came here and bought a house for sixty three thousand dollars yeah, you, you just can't do that in a college. Someone had anymore. to die for that to happen. It's, it's true, it's true. But I think you could. It was certainly possible to buy a place, a nice place, for under a hundred thousand in Ithaca, yeah. which meant that if you had, you know, if you could, you could have a a family with a single income, um, and you know that gave at least one person time to do writing, and uh, you'd be pretty comfy. Um, but yeah. now um, you couldn't possibly come to I don't think and so. do that as okay. a young person uh, hardly anywhere and it's freaking upstate new york i mean where do no. you go where do you go if all you want to do is work on your fiction and poetry is what i want to know i mean what i did you know i think i did the right thing by moving to new orleans both because new orleans was great but it, we moved there because it was cheap yeah and it, <laughs> it was very cheap i mean it happened it was nice that it was also paradise but I didn't move there because it was paradise. I moved there because it was cheap. You're right. Um, and I think if I hadn't, if I'd stayed in Seattle, I don't know if I would have kept writing. Really? All. Yeah, probably not. Well, I just would have had to. Be, I had to. I would have had to be working. And there was another boom. It was like now to be there because to be there you needed money, quite a bit of it, and there were lots of jobs, so mm-hmm. you had no real excuse. It's harder to get a job now, but no, it's it's much rougher, much harder now. It's it's hard to be poor in America, and it's hard to be in it's it's uh, hard to be in the middle class. To be in the middle class in America is now to be poor. It's yeah, that's what of, I was going to say. I mean, it's always been hard to be poor, yeah. um, but now it's hard to be middle class too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And we've you know we have not we're not I'm not training my students uh, to <laughs> you know to to do sk- with skills that are of of great uh, economic value. No, no they're fucked. Um, there's more people. That's what yeah. it is, right? There's, there's more people. Um, I don't know. 
I don't know what I would do if I was starting out now. I think I would go to another country. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Mexico. I guess I could still go to Mexico. Maybe this maybe this is gonna maybe the next wave of um expat literary communities is about to is about to happen. Yeah. It still seems to be difficult for people though. You know. Not not people don't end up having much to show for it. Mm-hmm. People don't even seem to have very good stories about their expatriate time. Well, they all sound the same. Do they? Don't they? Maybe they're just focusing on the wrong stuff about their expat years, though. Well, it's either the exoticism of it. Yeah. Or, um, you know, the intrigues of the expatriate community. It's a betrayal. Yeah. Uh, and then an ejection of some kind, right? I guess um, so, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't read an expat novel if you, <laughs> if you paid me to. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I, just, I just, you just read one. <laughs> it's, it's a terrible bias because I'm sure there are good novels. Spoken being... by somebody who's really seems turns out to be afraid to leave America. Exactly. This is exactly. My, my interpretation, yeah. my envious interpretation of those who managed to. I'm terrified even to read about others' experience doing the same. No, I, I, I because because of what you're saying, because it, it lends itself. The work, the experience lends itself to cliched writing, even though there's no real reason that it has to. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm very vexed by the, the sort of re- recycled series of um, themes that come up in, in expat stuff. Yeah, my favorite expat piece of text, though, is uh, you know Mayday. I think the story is called Mayday. Fitzgerald's no. story. I think it's called Mayday. Yeah. What's it about? It's about uh, um, sort of an expat going back to um, back to Paris after uh, after a while. Oh, is that it? No. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, he goes goes back after. Uh, having been back in the States for a few years and uh, just goes to the old haunts. Uh, it, could, it would also apply to uh, going back to your college or your little bohemian enclave that had disbanded um, and expecting things to have stayed the same while you were gone. Right. Uh, asking after people. Uh, people either having disappeared or slamming out magically and nobody remembering who you are. Yeah, you know, that's actually my I have the opposite narcissistic fantasy about places that I have left. Not that everything will will be exactly the same when I'm gone. But, but you that, owe everybody $50. <laughs> no, now you're talking about a yeah, now you're talking about a bad dream. And then and then I have to buy a mattress from every one of them and carry the carry the giant pile of mattresses through the streets of my former town. Um oh, that reminds me of something I want to I want to talk about. Um but uh uh, no, I always imagine that everyone else is left too. Like when I go back, I'm surprised they're still there doing the same things they were doing when I left. It's not like I'm doing anything differently in my town than I no. was 10 years ago. I'm living pretty much the same life I was 10 years ago. <laughs> but it's but interesting when I, to see who stays. 
Yeah. 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 Like, I go back to Missoula, you know, before, after being gone for 10 years, 15 years, and the only person I knew who was still there was Steve Meyer, uh, <laughs> the, the, the person who seemed to hate the town the most. <laughs> he really did? When I lived yeah. there. Yeah, he hated it. And I mean, he's gone now, but he stayed there 15 years. Yeah. Know? Uh, when I go back to Kansas, there's a, uh, my, my my friend Kevin Snell, who was the gothiest, you know, most cynical, anti-Manhattan Kansas person, still there, running the yeah. bookstore, <laughs> lost his hair, got a little chubby. Well, I think happy I think as a clam. The relationship that you have with the place that you hate has a kind of intensity that. Um, Maybe you can never have with a place that you like, perhaps with a place that you love, but who loves a place? Fools. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People yeah, in Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I think I, I think people who hate a place maybe that maybe they thrive on that intensity in some way. Hate maybe, is need. Mm, hate is a form of need. I like yeah. that. Um, what I wanted to uh, say was. Um, uh, we were talking with uh, with my friend Brian Hall the other night. Came over for a drink, and um, uh, fr- another mutual friend used to work at this place um, uh, called. It's now called the Dock, which is, and I'll well, maybe we should get to this was the site a couple of weeks ago of the final Starry Mountain Sweetheart Band show. That's right. That's right. Um, and before that, uh, when Rain and I moved here, it had been called Castaways. And before that, when our friend had worked there, it was it was called something else. It was it's and it was another like maritime because it's on an, the inlet uh, down by the lake, so it's um, it always has a maritime themed name. So it was I think Brian said it was Captain Mike's or something like that. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but I suddenly remembered a phenomenon when I was living in Missoula. And I was playing with a band, Electrolux. We used to practice um, in this alley, uh, this place in an alley where our drummer Abe um, lived and worked. He had a recording studio in there, and we recorded our little EP in there, and we would practice in there. And when we'd take a break, we'd walk down the alley to the gas station that was at the corner of, like, like First and Higgins. Um, and it was some nondescript chain at the time. It was like, I can't remember which, like Mobile or Sunoco or something. And so I had thought of it until until Abe became our drummer. I had thought of this as the Sunoco station. Um, but he, and uh, and then almost like a virus, the rest of the bands were calling it Super America. And of course it turned out that there had been a, a previous chain gas station there called Super America. And so it became, for me, Super America. And by association, Rian began to call it Super America. But we had never seen Super America. We were, yeah. and it never felt right. But it, but like, uh, it, attaching ourselves to that um, towny nostalgia, yeah. because I feel like we, we're already pre- preemptively nostalgic for Missoula since we knew it was a place we'd probably have to leave at some point. And so grabbing someone else's you know, colonizing someone else's nostalgia yep. for the former name of the thing. But I never it never sat right with me. Um yeah. and I still feel that way. I thought I was I thought I was snatching you away take, someone else's. You wanna take experience. it back? You wanna <laughs> take it back all the times you called it Super America? I'm so sorry. <laughs> How do you make restitution for a thing like that? Uh,
<laughs> Who do you go to? <laughs> um, so yeah, the 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 band played our last couple of shows. Sad. Yeah, sad, I'm sure you're sad about it. But were they sad events? Happy events? Uh, actually, they were very happy Charmed. events. The moment of greatest sadness was at the our final practice before the show, uh-huh. in which uh, there's one song, new song we had been working on, um, and that the that's it's very sort of slow and sad with lots of four part harmonies, and we we're having trouble getting it quite right. And then uh, at the last run through of the set, we just got it absolutely perfectly, and it was really pretty, and everybody just got super choked up it was sort of like i'm getting choked up thinking about it. it was it was you know people had to leave the room it was really the room that you're in right now room yeah the room i'm in right now um yeah. and uh it, you know it was just it was just crazy emotional and we were thinking shit this this night is gonna be horrible we're gonna be we're gonna be you know weeping and miserable but it turns out um that was not the case. We actually had a wonderful time, and yeah. the emotions at the sh- at the actual show were very positive, and we played very well. So, um, a lot of people came, you know, like yeah. five dozen, um, which is a big everybody's, for us. Everybody's gone now. No, actually, um, they're going to be in town for most of them. Will be in town for another month, so um, we're going to record the new songs. Um, so we're not. It's not like we're we're never yeah. going to see each other again. Um, no, but we decided that would be a good final show because our audience, most of our audience, is people who aren't going to be in town during the summer. So, the end. Um, but uh, but I like these new songs, so we'll release something posthumously in the future, and maybe reunite now and then to do some more. Tracking That's three albums that you all made. We'll have made uh, it. Well, it's we're we only have like an EP's worth Two and of a half. new stuff. So maybe oh. we'll. And but we have an, another EP's worth of stuff we recorded but decided not to release that is still pretty good. So maybe we'll put out like a hodgepodge album. Who knows? Uh-huh. But that's a lot. It's a lot of stuff we did in just a few years. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's uh, pretty a good, good band. Oh, thanks, band. buddy. Well done, John. Thank you. Thank you. What's next musically? I don't know. I, it's I around just, the corner. I'm saving. I decided to salve my. Um, my wounds, my lonely, my loneliness, um, by getting back into film photography. So, I saw that you picked up the camera again. Yeah, I picked up the camera again. I am uh, bought some developer. I still have my old developing equipment, so I'm going to develop black and white film and then scan it, um, which is a um, a tedious process. Um, perfect. Which is perfect for me. It's the it's the sort of thing I like to do when I don't want to miss people. I I love. Yeah. Uh, you you're just can use the same cameras. You've already invested a lot. You've got a lot of equipment. Um, I actually are sold you gear up. <laughs> yeah, I'm gearing up. I I sold all my film stuff uh, basically when oh. the band started because I because I want I needed some musical equipment um, to record them and uh, I knew I was I wasn't going to be doing much photography, so I just kept one digital camera the whole time. Um, but I, I bought, just bought back, you know, from eBay or something the 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 two film cameras that I shot with, which was a Pentax MX um, and a Leica uh, M series film camera. And, Great! Uh, I'm excited to see what you uh, what you do this time around. Oh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be just dilapidated buildings and good looking people, you know. 
Good stuff. <laughs> Quality. Yeah, right? Um, Quality. So I, I don't know. Are, are so how, what's your what's what's the what's the status of your uh, of your life vis-a-vis your free time, your child time? Have you got uh, daycare? Are you are you starting to enter two into mornings? Era? Two mornings of, <coughs> of daycare. I'm working on a new project that I would I would work on twelve hours a day if I could, but I get to do ten hours a week. Is and it a, just, and then just be really annoying the rest of the time? Is the project a bunch of poems? No. Ooh, what is talk it? about it when it gets a little a little more advanced, a little okay. further on. Okay. Um, but something I hope to get finished this summer. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's boring out here, man. It's boring out here. I'm not I'm not going to joke. Was, you're was, you're uh, in the suburbs, essentially. I'm beyond. I'm I'm in like the paranoid outer suburb zone. We're in a gated apartment complex. I have not left it. Except oh by car. Oh no! I've only left it by car. Um, when I walked, there's a there's a coffee shop. I, I sort of, if I if I leave the gated apartment complex, um, walk through a, a a path that people have cut through a vacant lot <laughs> by Prairie High School. Yeah. Um, all the all the while with. <clears throat> Walking along the side of a of a, a, a was probably a nice little farm road a few years ago, but now is a highway with cars going sixty miles an hour right next to you. Um, and then uh, walk past a freaky church, a little weird like an old house that is now the headquarters for uh, some sort of masonry company. And there's like a, a secretary in the window who looks startled when you walk by because no <laughs> one walks. Um, and uh, then there's uh, there's a little coffee shop that plays Christian rock <laughs> really loudly, uh, but they they delay playing the Christian rock until ten. So if I'm there before ten, I can get a little bit of work done before. Wait, wait, D- are um, they playing different music before ten or no music? No music, no music. Yeah. And then somebody remembers, oh, I love Christian rock <laughs> at about ten o'clock. <laughs> Uh, the people there are, um, I've heard uh, conversations uh, of uh, divorced middle-aged people complaining about their divorces um, and people working on sermons on their computers. Like It seems like they're working on a sermon on one side of the screen and the other side of the screen they're playing like World of Warcraft. Um <laughs> People seem to be coming in from the high school, like faculty are coming in from the high school. Um, it was like a, uh, like maybe he was the football coach and he had hip replacement surgery and everybody just kind of defers to him. Um, and he says he sort of limps through bravely, um, expecting deference and, and getting it. Um, uh, I'm invisible there, or I feel invisible, which probably means that everybody's staring at me. Um uh, some misfit kids come over from the high school and get uh, coffee and sit in the corner and just kind of glower. Uh, I love them. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing keeping keeping any chance of, of the place being alive. But they're probably they're probably gun people. Um, <coughs> so that's what's going on in Vancouver. I had a nice a nice trip this weekend. We went down to the Oregon Caves. Oh, down at, so the five hour drive south, almost to the California border. 
the Oregon Caves, and we stayed at the Oregon Caves Chateau. Ooh. It was built in the 30s, the last of the Grand National Park Lodges, although it's only a national monument. So it's a small, oh. small version of like the Old Faithful Inn or a, um, you know, a big lodge, Timberline. How very pretty. I like it. It, it was pretty. It was pretty. Um, I don't recommend bringing a toddler. No, Oscar, I don't recommend Oscar bringing a toddler unhappy, to anything. Unhappy and miserable and wouldn't go to sleep. They woke up at five. People were pounding on the door to get the kid to shut up. Oh, and run up God. and down the stairs. There's nothing to do for kids there. And there were terrible parents. So <laughs> <laughs> He's a wonderful kid. Uh, we, uh, we went on the cave tour, which was great. Uh, we only did half of it. There's a little exit. Uh, Oscar wanted to see the bats. Saw a bat. Went into a cave. Went on a cave tour with a three-year-old. Deep into yeah. the mountain. Climbed down into the mountain with a baby. <laughs> did, you a a they... did you take a cave tour? Did you take a cave tour with the toddler, Ed? Is that what you did? Yeah. yeah. Bad idea. And there's a point, of course, where they turn out the lights. Uh-huh. That's, that's the highlight of a cave tour is they take you down into the heart of the mountain <laughs> and they turn out the lights. <laughs> Was not not the most popular moment for Oscar for anybody. It's terrifying. Really? It's dark. Take you down into a cave, shut off the lights. Yeah, it's dark in a cave. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. There's no light. There's no light down there. Not even any phosphorescent lichen. You know? That would be cool if there were. Yeah, there's a bunch of blind animals. But. Uh, <clears throat> But uh, that was that was was pretty cool actually. But uh, when we stopped, we happened to be going through the town of Grants Pass, about twenty thousand people in Josephine County, um, which is the has the lowest taxes of any place in in Oregon. Uh, but it's been in the news lately around here because they just had a uh, uh, you know like a special election asking if people wanted to maybe pay some taxes so they could continue having a sheriff's department. And the people said no. And I saw oh. uh, billboards that said, <laughs> we are safer without deputy patrols, safer without a, a sheriff's department. We're safer in our homes without a sheriff's department than we are not having any homes or some version of that. Right? Their argument the- being that if they were, if they, if they were going to be – there were lots of posters saying that taxes have victims too. And it'd be like like children with empty plates. <laughs> they pay no taxes. Everything there is federally, you know. They have wonderful roads. It's, you know, federal government is paying for every what they do have. <clears throat> and uh, Josephine County, Oregon, it's a sort of you know conservative libertarian nightmare zone, where if you call nine one one, no one will come. If you call, you know, somebody's threatening you with a knife, you call the police. They're not likely to come. Your house is on fire. They might come if it's close, but like if you're back on a back road, you know, ambulance isn't going to come. That's the way they like it down in Josephine County, Oregon. Wow. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty pretty bad. (laughs) I was worried of worried about twenty twenty thousand people without without a sheriff's department is. I think that technically they have a sheriff, but but they, they cut back on things like. You know, patrols and responding. 
Right. This is there's no sheriff's office. There's like a. I saw. I saw. I saw. I saw eight. I saw a sheriff and eight deputies in the in the parade. So we so we're there. We caught the parade. (laughs) Their annual boatnik parade, and uh, they were all on horses. Which on one hand is sort of a point of pride, sort of a a showy thing in the country. But I was thinking that maybe that's all they have. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't have these horses. They they sleep on them. Yeah. They don't. They won't pay taxes, but they will allow grazing rights in the in the village commons for the sheriff's horses. All right, all I right. Think. So, but <laughs> it was quite a parade, the Boatnik Parade. What it was an Boatnik enormous work? parade for a small town. Boatnik is their term for this weekend, Memorial Day boat races on the Rogue River, fast mm. boats, and uh, I like the parade. I like a parade. Uh, yeah, a lot of cool I stuff in the do. parade, but it was dotted by, uh, it was marred by, uh, you know, some people carrying crosses and signs about gay marriage, uh, being mm-hmm. again it. They were again it. Um, and then there was a, a sort of tank that was, uh, there were 20 people on top of it uh, with t shirts that said, I heart guns, and they were holding guns. And it was sponsored by some gun company. And that got the biggest cheer uh, from the, the crowd of anybody. Uh, when I uh, was standing next to one otherwise reasonable-looking guy who, when that float passed by, when that tank passed by with a bunch of people saying, with a, I love guns shirts, holding guns up in the air. <laughs> and the guy said, well, that's all right. <laughs> Uh, but I saw a, a float of uh, uh, square dancers dancing on a platform that was being pulled by a tractor. Good. Uh, that's really that's all very right. brave. Now that that's was all right. That was that was a little bit of all right. A lot of tractors, a lot of boats, a lot of middle school marching bands. Mm-hmm. How many can there be? I think they pull from the the Greater Josephine County metro area. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty impressed by the middle school marching bands. Right. You do like a you do like a civic display. I like a civic display. Yeah. I would be I would love I would, that's the part of being in North Korea that I would like. <laughs> <laughs> the big shows. It's like Vegas, you know. Big shows. <laughs> the part um, of being in North Korea that I would like is the shows. So, I gotta say, I, it's pro- you know we're getting older. Um, we've known each other for a good twenty years, um, if not a little more. Uh, and you show no sign of um, accepting the destiny that I have imagined for you, which is to be mayor of something. I moved around too much. I moved yeah. around too much. No, and I, you mostly my, my, been in- I was raised to be a, a small town burger, I think, you know, jolly and uh, uh, magnanimous in a town of 10,000 people. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I would have put a bullet in my head. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, maybe if it was the right 10,000 people. Oh, if I could pick them? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could pick, if I could pick 10 grand quality <laughs> Quality control, yeah, yeah. Palsville, Palsville, D. Yeah. 
Uh, so you're in summer mode now, eh? Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely in summer mode. Um, Kids are uh, out of school. No, that's that's the best part of of summer. <laughs> this is the sweet spot. Yeah, it's a sweet spot. Though they get out in a little less than a month. So, um, and I'm I am um, I'm I'm back on uh, back on the novel like like white on rice. I'm I'm digging digging right. So, the the revising. Yeah, the revising of the novel. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm in the final stretch for sure. And um, it's well, it's good stuff. Yeah, I actually got a note from my editor last night saying, "Where's the novel?" And I actually don't think I've ever been asked that by anyone before. So I thought, well, you're actually wanting to see it. I'm, I better finish the damn thing. So yeah. I am. I was already starting to, but um, but it's starting to feel uh, starting to feel endy. I'm well. I liked I liked what I read. I I don't see how you could mess it up too bad. Yeah. Well, the suggestions that you and my other second readers gave me were superb, and I'm going going through there making things better. Uh, and uh, I'm, I think it's going to work. I think it's going to yeah. work. What else does the summer hold? That's it, man. No travels. Go take, go and take no some Scotland. pictures. No, we'll go to the Jersey Shore as we usually do. Yeah. We talked about taking a road trip, except stuff keeps. The kids want to do various things. We want to get. We we're trying to rehabilitate Owen. We're trying to turn help him turn himself into a genuine adult. He's turning eighteen in a few weeks, and. Um, first we gotta, we gotta get him to finish high school, which is something he's has no motivation to do whatsoever. Um, the last stretch is the hardest. Seems almost determined not to do. Yeah. Uh, and then, then we gotta get, get him to drive a car. Um, this is the thing with, this is the thing with the young people these days. Maybe it's just an Ithaca thing or maybe it's everywhere, but they don't want cars. They don't want to drive. They don't even want to know no. how to drive. They just their parents will come pick them up, and we don't we'll want get to get an Uber. Yeah, we don't want to pick them up. We don't want to pay for an Uber. We want him to just drive a damn car. Yeah. Uh, but his all his friends. I mean, I'm sympathetic to it because all his friends are the same way. They just their parents will just go drive him around. They're you know even the adult ones. Just people will go pick him up. I don't want to go pick up my kid every day. I want to stay no. home. Maybe you get you get one ride a day. If that man. I'll take you halfway there. Yeah. Well, you know, Owen, I'll give you as, I'll, I'll give you as many rides as you want, but I'll only take you eighty percent of the way there. <laughs> uh, Rian actually thought of a great a great idea, um, which is we'll pick you up, but only if you drive home. Yeah, that's good, right? So he has a learner's permit, but he's very you know he's very nervous about about driving. As I guess driving's you know, dangerous. Yeah, it is. It is. But yeah. um uh and then we're gonna try to make the boy get a job and just be yeah. you know. He doesn't have to we don't we don't need him to move out. He's he's opting out of college for now, but um I'm happy to have to him stay here. Do but some, do some he's gotta do some stuff. stuff. Yeah, he's gotta do some yeah. stuff. When did you start driving? It's just the second I was able to. Yeah. Which I was, was I got my Jersey. learner's permit. Yeah. Uh seven Kansas we have fourteen. Really? 14. Oh, because yeah. of because uh, of the farms. Because of farms. Yeah, I was not raised on a farm, but I still no, got to but... drive my 1978 Buick Estate wagon. Uh, of course, you did. All over Are there town. photos of that of you driving that car? No, I have photos of the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was brown, most glorious shade of brown you've ever seen. <laughs> it shone. It shone in the twilight. 
<laughs> Old man Skoog. Speaking <laughs> of the automobiles of the past. Direct sunlight. Yeah. Oh, that's a good summer. Yeah, I'm. I uh, I kind of want to go to Scotland, but the fact is, I'm the, the the my pretense for going last year was to finish the draft of this book, and I'm I'll I'll be in the Sejura this year. I'm going to write some short stories. That's good. Yeah. And uh, and nurture continue nurturing Okie Panky. Yeah. So uh, I you know as I said in my e- recent email to you, I think the we're we're doing well. Doing okay. Yeah. We're past our probationary period. I think we are. I think we've proven ourselves to be capable of huh. running a magazine, and uh, um, the the people seem to like the posts. We we published this week Molly Molly Leach's extraordinarily oh, sad, really devastating yeah. essay. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> I my I I I think um. There have been in in my in my life in the internet era. There have been lots of people I've met online, and then eventually came to meet in real life. And those meetings are always memorable because you you see a friend for the first time. For instance, I just met uh, Lisa Gabbert, the poet ah, in uh, D- in right. Denver, right. and and her husband John Cotter, and had a lovely time with them. Um, from the um, Blues Traveler, is she married to the guy yeah. from? Blues traveler. Yeah, you can always you can always tell when he enters the room because of the clanking of the harmonica around his the big healthy fellow, his heavy body. Yeah, is that guy still uh, very large? Did he lose? I think he lost weight, didn't he? <coughs> he did lose. He had the gastric bypass surgery. He lost oh, yeah. a lot of weight. Yeah, I think he's gained some of it back. John Popper, that's his name. John Popper, right? No, John Cotter's a different guy. Different guy. I don't know what poet he's married to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so but molly but molly um i met because i was sitting with you all day in that bar in seattle the um lost lake yeah and uh we're sitting at the bar and i i uh tweeted that we were sitting at the bar might have tweeted yeah. a photo of you yeah. sitting at the bar or something and, and we're 60, drinking for net yeah oh, that's right that's right and 60 seconds later Molly Late shows up like a ghost. Yeah. And says It's centrally and, located. Yeah, and says, uh, you just tweeted you were in this bar. <laughs> and here you are. I was like, oh hey. I've never had a, an internet post have such immediate real real world uh um the West Coast. We're we've got that faster internet out here. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be it. I liked I like that piece because I've read a lot of Molly's uh, f- film reviews. Yeah, me too. Which I think are are are, are excellent. Um, and you know, Teresa, I've talked to her, but I never read anything personal like that. And I thought that was was a very very well written, harrowing, terrifying, hilarious little short okie panky piece. Yeah, well, for for people who haven't read it yet, it's a you know it's about um, homelessness and disaffection and homelessness romantic, and romance. Yeah, well, romantic failure and yeah. depression and self disgust yeah. things that one could find plenty of blog posts about on the internet if one wanted this. The that collection of subjects um, is usually written about in a tiresome way. Um, yeah. 
but Molly has made something really powerful um, with this essay out of stuff that I would not have thought would make a great essay. The characterization, and even though it's nonfiction, of the uh, of the the guy that she meets, that she's on the date with, yeah, um, goes home with to try to just have a place to stay for the night, was is really admirable and really excellent, excellently created. Whatever the real person was like, I don't care. But you know, just really admired the the, the skill. Yeah, I'll just read the paragraph. Um, he because the guys the guy shows up drunk to their first date that they and that she's they high up on the internet and she's yeah. and she's high. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she writes, "It was a date, so I did that thing where you get the fella talking until he falls in love with himself and maybe throws you a bone in the glow." He'd moved here from somewhere in the Midwest 10 years ago and never wanted to go back. He was all, fuck paying for the bus and fuck going to college when you can learn everything yourself. Your apartment, I asked him. Is it close by? <laughs> I'm, I'm working on a chapbook, he said. He told, me all the, he told me all the writers in Seattle were bullshit. He loved Charles Bukowski and the feeling of dirt under his fingernails. He didn't ask what I like to write about, and I didn't want to tell him. I told good jokes he didn't laugh at. Once he looked at me hard and said, was that supposed to be funny? I turned my stool around and touched my knee against his. My life is sort of complicated right now, I said. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's so good. And it is, yeah. she is oh. dramatizing and um, her own, you know, just psychological pain and is making it funny at the same time that it's extraordinarily sad and dark. Um, I feel like she has she has an unusual amount of perspective and self knowledge for someone who is suffering the way that she is, and I I greatly admire Molly um, for all of her writing. But I think this is yeah. great. I'm, it's a privilege to to publish it. Yeah. Unlike a lot of the other stuff we publish, yeah, which is a bunch of shit. It's not so much a privilege as a you know <laughs> just a thing to do, a compromise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm loving it. <laughs> What are you going to have for lunch? You know what, Ed? I don't know. Uh, it's lunchtime the there, right? It's breakfast think, time here. It's lunchtime there. I think I'm going to have a like a peanut butter sandwich. That sounds honestly. good. Crunchy yeah, or creamy? Cr- crunch? What do you? Of course. I don't crunchy. know. I'm a crunchy. I'm a crunchy. I don't know. Who are these, who are people these creamy people? Was raised creamy. I was raised creamy. Yeah. Peter Pan. You no, know, I was too. I was too. Yeah. Skippy. Uh, I was more processed. Me, but... I was I was raised by my, my folks were, you know, they're born in the depression, and, but really kind of you know are fifties people. Yeah, uh, very much nineteen fifties people, um, and uh, the more processed a food item, the better. Yeah, right, definitely. Yeah, process is value. Process is is fl- is sabor. Hmm. Con sabor. I don't know the phrase. Flavor in Spanish. Oh, savor. Sabor. 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 Gabor. <laughs> I'm I'm just such a troglodyte. It's pathetic. Oh, uh, peanut butter jelly sandwich. Peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, if I can find some jelly. I what I have to do first is clean out the fridge. Oh, I didn't tell you this. Reen and I have, um, we spent three days just throwing shit out. Um, Re- House Reen, wide? Yeah. Reen's a bit of a pack rat. 
Um, and we ac- yeah. actually, I am, I am by. You're a collector. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I, I, uh, we had a conversation about this. I am by reputation, the mo- more sentimental member of the family. Yeah. Um, but it's not about inanimate objects. I like, I like stuff. I like having it around, but, um, if I'm not actively using it, I just, I want to get rid of it. It's just, yeah. it's just clutter. So whereas Rian develops sentimental attachments to objects, she sees something by the side of the road and feels bad for it. Yeah. And brings it home, convinced that we can make use of it. And sometimes we can, but we often can't. And so that our, our life together is, it's a bit cluttered, often charmingly cluttered. So it's, I've yeah. never really minded it. But um, yeah. lately I've been wanting to get rid of some stuff. So I was cleaning out the studio um, after I hadn't cleaned it for a while because the band is here all the time. And uh, um started getting rid of stuff. And Rian just jumped in and ripped apart the laundry room and getting rid of old fabric and clothes and uh junk and kid we have so much kid stuff like from the yeah. toddler years that we still have it's just we have, there's no reason to have it here but I have um, some more kids oh my god <laughs> oh my god oh you see what's this there's a great got a great uh got a great uh twitter mention the other day um somebody let's see who it is here it's this great tweet about uh, baby names. All right, here it is. Rachel Fershleiser, the uh, um, doyen of literary Tumblr, who uh, helped got us that uh, radar ad on Tumblr and helped promote Hanky Panky. Yes. Uh, lovely, very funny person. Uh, she tweeted, the oldest women in the world always have really great names. And I responded that, that I, I, I love the names of the, of the old women in our lives. Um, There's an undergraduate of mine named Mildred, um, who I like very much a good good writer, but she goes by her middle name, which is more conventional, you know, a contemporary uh, woman's name. And I keep telling her, you know, gotta go with Mildred. Mildred's a Mildred. great, a, Mildred a, is a great, great name. Great, great name. Um, and uh, Rachel replies, "I have a friend who swears by New Orleans obits for baby names." Oh yeah, oh Eugenie's. Yeah, Eugenie's my favorite New Orleans woman's name. It's a damn good so, name. Eugenie. But I responded, I was kidding. Uh, I said, that's brilliant. I almost want to have more children to try it out. I do not yeah. want to have more children. But um, but yeah, that's a good source yeah. for baby. I knew four or five sure. Eugenies. Really? Yeah. They always had some nickname, some version of it. Genie. Yeah. Erzy. <laughs> that's good. Uh, who are the others? Huge. None of them were huge. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Eugenie's a good one. The New Orleans obits are, are worth reading. I would say the best obituaries, um, New Orleans. And because of it's a town with there's no shortage of obituaries. Uh they, they cut across. A lot of people dying old, a lot of people dying early. You gotta you gotta get a real cross section. I would say that uh if I were trying to if I were recommending news sections, I would say New Orleans for obituaries and the Fairbanks News Minor for uh, for weekly news recaps of local uh, local crimes. Really? Yeah. There's like uh, the arrest it? sheet of the uh, of the uh, the Fairbanks News Minor 
the obituaries of New Orleans. Uh, that's Is all anybody the, reads the paper for. Oh, they ha- so the news miner has got a website. Do the um, is is it the uh, safety report, public safety report that you're recommending? Maybe. Let me look at it. Or just local local news. No, they had a they had a special category. I haven't looked at the website for a little while. So, did you discover them online, or or uh, did you? I went up and I went up and visited, and then I I I uh, thought it was a uh, interesting place, and so I started reading the the paper online after I left. Let's see. They've re- redesigned their uh, website, so they might not have they might not have it anymore. Oh, I like the letters to the editor uh, headlines. Thanks to Dog Rescue Party, Nordic Ski Club seeks public input. Don't make alcohol treatment harder. Deja vu on alcohol. Hey, the thing the thing you're looking for is the public safety report section. It's you found it? it's uh yeah, it's it's crimes. Crimes, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cynthia Darlene Charlie, 54, of Nanana, was charged with fourth-degree assault for allegedly assaulting her daughter at a Noble Street apartment on Friday night. The victim told police Charlie had recently had hip surgery and was staying with her while she recovered. The victim said she returned home to find Charlie highly intoxicated. This is it. They've changed the title of it, yeah. Yeah. There's a, they have a whole category of uh, DUI. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Yardy, Yardy smelled of alcohol, was overly talkative, and failed field sobriety tests. But first, Yardy denied drinking, but later admitted to drinking a beer at Kodiak Jack's. <laughs> Getting, making progress. There's yeah. also an, an escape section. A whole section his, for escape. His passenger told troopers Morris forgot to tell them about the gun he had removed from the driver's side door po- pocket <laughs> and placed under the driver's seat. The gun did not have a round chambered. Morris's breath alcohol content was measured at 169. Boy, and there's a new one every three or four days. Oh, yeah. These are good. These are Kodiak good. Jax is uh, appearing in a lot of them. Oh, God. Oh, dear. Yeah, escape. Escape is a category. Weapons. And they seem uh, to all be, re- oh, they're written by different people. Um, Yeah, this is good. I'll link to it for sure. Yeah, uh, this, this, there's a, a, a seasonally, because so, they have dramatic seasons in Fairbanks. I was reading it at the time when people were, uh, there were a lot of, they were finding dead bodies all over town from people who had, had frozen over the winter and disappeared, um, you know, uh, and that was its own category. I got to read you this whole listing from uh, May 14th. Tracy Leanne Woods, 24, of Fairbanks, was charged with fourth-degree assault, fifth-degree criminal mischief, interfering with the report of a domestic violence crime, and violating conditions of release for allegedly assaulting her husband Friday night. The victim called police Saturday afternoon to report Woods had assaulted him the night before. The victim said he was calling while inside a store pretending to buy things. 
While Woods waited in the car, he requested Alaska State Troopers meet him at his residence. Troopers responded, and the victim told him Woods had attacked him and scratched his arms and right shoulder at about midnight. The victim had tried to call 911, but Woods pulled the phone base out of the wall and broke the wires. The victim said he didn't get a cell phone signal at his home and was unable to call for help after that and had to walk out of the house without clothes to avoid further attack. The victim later tried to go to the store by himself because he wanted to use his cell phone to call police, but Woods insisted on going with him. Woods told Trooper she was upset with the victim because he was going to work out of state, according to charging documents. Troopers found a pair of the victim's boots in the yard, a screen torn out of the front door, a broken stair handrail, a sleeve of burned CDs, and several (laughs) bottles of the victim's prescription medication that Woods tried to burn in the wood stove. So burned CDs, both. I'm confused by whether the CDs were. I think they were on fire, or whether they were blank CDs that he had burned some blues travelers on. I assume it was. Uh, I assume it was um, CDRs with data on them. Although that seems like kind of an esoteric detail for a um, a police blotter. That's true. <laughs> He's going into a lot of detail. Catherine Mayo, 44, of Fairbanks, was charged with fourth-degree assault for allegedly punching another woman in the face while drunk on March 23rd. The victim told troopers she was visiting Mayo and her husband, and Mayo hit her in the face for no reason. Mayo's husband told troopers Mayo hit the victim once, but he prevented her from hitting her again. He said Mayo needed to learn to control herself. Mm-hmm. Mayo told troopers she politely asked the victim to leave, but the victim would not. Mayo made many contradictory statements, according to the charging documents, and accused her husband of grabbing her. Mayo appeared highly intoxicated and admitted to drinking about five inches of alcohol out of a jug. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I feel for these all are, these situations. Oh, of course. Very sad. Incredibly, incredibly but sad. The but the writing that you can, you know, that this, there's must be, uh, this is not. Uh, uh, I imagine the, the the few reporters that are left at the the news miner compete to write these. Yeah, I would I would imagine yeah. so. Yeah, I would imagine this is a plum a, a plum yeah. assignment. Yeah. All right, you want to wrap this thing up? We ought to. Um, it's good to good to be back. Uh, good to be back on the uh, the old pod with you. Yeah, we should be able to get back to a weekly schedule. I anticipate uh, greater regularity. Of, of course, nothing will be happening in our lives, so <laughs> we'll have to invent things. Yeah. Well, I, we can do that. That's our job. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well, then come to It's time.